break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 16th of September, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the coup in Guinea, West Africa, about a week later after it took place. We're going to be talking about big pharma profiteering yet again, even more, pretty much the compensative affairs there for the pharmaceutical industry. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with another form of healthcare profiteering, and that is with COVID-19 home tests. <laughs> Well, more and more people are rushing to buy at-home COVID tests, particularly with schools reopening and frequent testing becoming a crucial way for parents to try to keep their families and broader school communities safer. Amazon and Walgreens have been sold out of home testing kits online recently, and the Australian company Illum has said it has seen a 900% spike in sales in the past month. The limited supply, however, does not seem to be an accident as much as a product of the monopoly position of those making the tests going for the biggest money grab they can get. The tests are quite expensive, all things considered. As Kaiser Health News reported, quote, at $10 or $15 a test, the price is still far too high for regular use by anyone but the wealthy. A family with two school-aged children might need to spend $500 or more a month to try to keep their family and others safe. They also note, that's Kaiser Health News, that, quote, consumers elsewhere have much cheaper or free options. In Germany, grocery stores are selling rapid COVID tests for under $1 per test, In India, they're about $3.50. The United Kingdom provides 14 tests per person free of charge. And Canada is doling out free rapid tests to businesses. So clearly it isn't really the cost of making the tests that's creating the price issue here. It's the company's actions themselves. Congresswoman Kim Schreier, who has been critiquing the companies for a number of months, stated, quote, test prices were high because big companies are buying up all the supplies. And also... That, quote, their profit is far higher, making $1,030 test than $30,001 test. And we have some evidence of that from a recent New York Times investigation, which revealed that Abbott Labs, one of the major producers of the test, just destroyed their stockpile of tests over the summer as their ability to make sky-high profits went down as testing briefly dipped. And what makes this even more galling is that the testing companies have been receiving huge amounts of money from the federal government. As Kaiser Health News notes about Abbott Labs, quote, Abbott Laboratories, for instance, cashed in on hundreds of millions of dollars in federal contracts and gave its shareholders fat payouts last year, increasing its quarterly dividend by 25 percent, end quote. Alum, the Australian company mentioned earlier, cut a $232 million deal with the U.S. government earlier this year. And overall, the Biden administration has promised to funnel $10 billion to the home testing kit companies. This money comes without any guarantees or requirements that they will provide reasonable prices. 
And even more, the Biden administration is now paying to put 280 million tests out into the field using the Defense Production Act. And allegedly, those will be distributed for 35 percent less than the test is now, although that'll still be quite higher than international prices. But the reality is the 280 million tests they're ordering isn't close to enough to actually meet the need slash demand that is already out there given the number of people in the country, and that many people want home tests to be able to test themselves and their family members frequently. So a lot of money, not a lot of impact. And this is all deeply indicative of the broader challenge with the entire U.S. COVID response since day one, that it is motivated by the desire of the government to avoid making any major changes to the capitalist system. The lockdowns were more about keeping businesses open than saving lives. The unemployment benefits were more about making sure there was no competition with poverty wage jobs than actually finding a way to help people who lost their jobs. And the testing kits are more about profiteering than public health. The COVID crisis at its root is as much a crisis of capitalism as anything else. Well, Big Pharma notched something of a win yesterday when the Democratic-controlled House of Representatives Energy and Commerce Committee rejected a plan to help pay for the cost of the budget reconciliation bill by requiring drug companies to bargain with Medicare over drug prices, bringing down the cost of drug prices, and saving the government at least $500 billion a year to help pay for the broader package, which includes paid family leave, monthly checks to families, wage increases for home health aides, and free community college, among other things. The measure failed due to the actions of three Democrats, Kathleen Rice from New York, Kurt Schrader of Oregon, and Scott Peters of California. Not surprisingly, according to the Daily Poster, this group of three has received $1.6 million in donations from Big Pharma. Also unsurprisingly, they are parroting Big Pharma propaganda that the high prices are necessary in order to fund research into new drugs. The New York Times tried to run a little cover for them today, quoting from some so-called experts stating that the reduced prices could hurt these companies because the investors won't invest because they only invest in anticipation of the high prices. But what the Times didn't really note is that there's a connection between those two things. A House Oversight Committee report from earlier this year noted that from 2016 to 2020, Big Pharma spent $56 billion more on share buybacks than research and development, spending a total of $577 billion in buybacks and dividends. So the issue isn't R&D, but that the high profits that they make from the high prices subsidize the massive cash transfers to wealthy investors via buybacks and dividends. So at cheaper drug prices, they would indeed have to spend more of that money on actually developing drugs rather than enriching Wall Street even further with no tangible benefit to society. Oh, the horror of it all. Now, it is still possible the issue of the Medicare negotiating drug prices could make it into a final bill. But the committee vote may also be a sign of choppy waters ahead, so to speak. And that is that various conservative Democrats are growing and will grow more emboldened to try to block the entire proposal. Pretty amazing that something as basic and right as free community college and cheaper hearing aids for our senior citizens is being held up purely because the wealthiest among us refuse to pay a cent. About a week after the military coup in Guinea... The situation in the country is still cloudy. The military junta who took over still has former President Alpha Conde under guard, and he apparently is demanding that he be returned to power, a demand also backed by ECOWAS, the economic community of West African states, who have been trying to mediate the dispute, but who have also temporarily suspended Guinea from the bloc, as has the African Union. Coup leader Colonel Mamadi Dumbuya has been meeting with various opposition groups over the past few days, 
and has gotten some at least soft support from them as well as those groups seem to be jockeying for a position in the new government, which seems likely to add some civilians as a fig leaf for their military rule sometime soon. What the agenda of the junta is is still not quite clear. On the one hand, Conde was very unpopular and the coup was initially greeted with decent-sized supportive demonstrations in the capital of Conakry. On the other hand, the soldiers who took over have very close links to Western governments. Dumbuya is a former member of the French Foreign Legion, and his unit was specially trained by U.S. Special Forces, at the behest of Conde, actually. But Conde had recently started to invite Russian and Chinese investment into the country, which is a strategic source of the mineral bauxite, which is critical to aluminum production. Guinea is traditionally oriented towards the West economically, and it's yet to be seen if the junta will try to renegotiate those deals with Russia and China, which would be a clear sign that the hidden hand behind the coup were Western forces, who are increasingly concerned about China, and to a lesser extent Russia, being used as leverage against them by African nations, attempting to promote more broad-based development. The junta has, however, pledged to address mismanagement and corruption and poverty, more or less the exact same things Conde pledged to do and then just did not do. So really, no matter who was behind the coup, it seems more likely at this point that it's simply just a jockeying between elites to loot the mineral wealth of the country, rather than something that pretends a real change for the majority of Ghanaians. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.